Well, hey everyone, and welcome to Jerry Talk, a podcast for modern caregivers juggling work, home, family, kids, and finances, all while caring for an aging parent or loved one. I'm your host, Kelly Adams, a certified senior advisor and founder and CEO of Beyond Home Care. It's 2020, the start of a new year, and everyone is planning, planning for vacations, planning for their budget, their goals, and what 2020 is going to bring. But let me ask you, do you have a care plan? Have you planned intentionally how to care for the aging senior in your life? If your answer is no, then this episode is for you. So let me just start from the beginning. For those of you who are wondering what even is a care plan, a care plan is just what it sounds like, a plan to care for someone else. I create care plans for my clients that dictate how we're going to care for them based on their unique personality and challenges. Think about it. The basic purpose of a plan is to coordinate action. It's all about taking a proactive approach to something and being thoughtful and intentional about how it's handled. If you're taking care of mom, even if it's just a few hours a week to drive her to the grocery store or doctor's appointment, you could go day to day not knowing when you'll be needed or what's going to happen tomorrow or reacting when a problem arises. Or you can attempt to prepare and organize your care. I'm talking about changing the focus from a place of reaction to a place of proaction. When I was younger and I felt really overwhelmed or like I had way too much on my plate, my mom would tell me to get a pen and a notepad and make a plan. So that's what I'm going to tell you today. Grab a pen, grab some paper, and let's make a plan. Now, here's a side note for all of my listeners who are already rolling their eyes at me and thinking that there is no way that this would work for them. Life's too chaotic. The best laid plans rarely ever work out, yada, yada, yada. I hear you. I get exactly where you're coming from. And you're right. We all have to be willing to be flexible and to move with the punches. But organizing your plan of care is not going to hurt you, okay? It won't make your situation any more overwhelming. It's definitely not going to make a worse caregiver. Your plan may change a hundred times and guess what? It probably will. And that's okay. What we're looking for here is a baseline, an ideal, if you will, something to strive for and to say, if I could create a plan to care for my mom, this is what I would need. And this is what I would want it to look like. We're not looking for rigidness here. We're just looking for an outline, basically. But here's the deal. Before you can even create a plan, we need to assess the situation. So our first step is to take inventory. Again, I'm talking about a baseline. When I first take on a new client, I thoroughly assess the situation from many different angles. There are a lot of things to think about when you're planning for care for someone else. So today I'm going to talk to you about the six main categories that I look at to assess care. Now over the next few weeks, we're going to bring in experts into some of these categories to really help us dive deep into care planning and understand all of the different angles that we need to look at. You've heard me say it before, knowledge is power. That's where I'm going with this. I'm not trying to overwhelm you. I'm trying to give you the details and the tools and resources that you need to be the most successful caregiver. And then after these episodes, I'm going to show you exactly how I create a care plan. But like I said, first, we've got to assess it. So number one, 
and arguably the most important, although I'll say all of these are very important. But number one for me is safety. One of the first things I like to assess in a client's home is their safety. Is the environment which they're living in safe? Is their home safe? Do they feel safe? Do you feel comfortable with how they are living? All of those things are really important to think about. I have a little safety checklist that I will include in the show notes because there are so many things to think about that you would not even realize until we start talking about them. But just a couple of things that I always look for. The walkways that mom or dad or whoever is walking down. Are there rugs in the way? Do we have fall hazards or trip hazards as we call them? Are there loose cords that could easily catch a foot? Some of the best of us who are balanced can still trip over a rug or a cord. So it's really important that if someone is walking in an environment with a walker or they're not steady balanced, it's clean of trip hazards. What about the home she lives in? Is it safe? Are there smoke detectors? Is there a fire extinguisher? Is it easy to find for emergency personnel? Our local fire department will put out the number on the street so that it's easy to find if you need to call emergency services. And even though I don't have an aging loved one living with me, I have young kids and recently found out that when I called for emergency services, they couldn't find my address. So especially if you're living in a rural area or a smaller town, GPS, we know, doesn't always work. So it's really important that they can find you. What about when mom gets out of bed at night to go to the bathroom? Is she easily able to get in and out of the bed? Do you know? Have you seen her do it lately? When I think about Gammy, and I talk about Gammy a lot, Gammy's always going to put on a brave face and tell us that everything's okay. But you and I both know that just because she thinks it's okay doesn't necessarily mean that she can easily get in and out of her bed by herself, okay? So that's what I'm asking about. Does mom need rails on her bed? Does she need a step stool? Does her mattress need to be lowered? Can she easily get to the bathroom at night? Is it well lit? Do we need to put in some night lights along the baseboard so that she can see if she's getting up? In the bathroom, does she need a raised toilet seat or some bars on the toilet seat to make it easier for her to get up and down? Again, lots of questions that are safety pertaining that you may not ever really think about. You know, we can even get into, do we want to install cameras in the house or outside of the house? If there are times when you feel like mom may have visitors that make you uncomfortable or she may want you, if she lives alone, she may want you to help keep people out. The ring doorbells are great because they will alert you when someone's there and you could talk to and tell them, no, she can't open the door right now. Another really good thing in this safety section is to think about PERS units, personal emergency response systems. They're called PERS units. They're wearables. You can wear them on your wrist or around your neck. And a lot of them have pendulums in them, so it'll alert emergency services if there's a fall. Some of them have tracking on them, so if we've got a loved one that may wander or be at risk for getting lost, those are great. All things to think about in safety. And listen, Safety changes. So how it is right now may not be the same way it is next year. And so that's why we assess it. Number two on my list is financial. Now, you may or may not be in a place where you are handling the finances for your parents, but I still think it's important to step back and look at the situation as a whole. And so we are going to assess all these topics. So from a financial standpoint, have you noticed bills going unpaid? Our accounts moving to collections for failure to pay. On the same line of thinking, have you had the conversation with mom or dad on what they want to happen if they can no longer care for themselves? If you're not already caring for them, financially, how will that be paid for? Do you plan to file for Medicaid when looking for a nursing home? 
Are they hoping to age in place and stay home as long as possible? If so, do they have the resources or are they expecting you to fit that bill? Having these open conversations are really important when we're assessing and putting together a care plan. Some of you may be thinking in this point, mom's going to tell me it's none of my business. And that can be true, okay? I'm definitely not telling you to invade on anyone's privacy. But I am asking you to have a realistic conversation and assessment with the person who you, if not already tasked with caring for, may be tasked with caring for in the future. There are some legal documents that could come into place here. There may be a financial planner that needs to come into place here. If you'll tune in next week, I actually have Lee Williams from Nolan and Associates who's going to talk to us a little bit more about the financial planning side of care. It'll help to build this side of the assessment. But financial planning is number two. Number three on my list is estate and legal planning. Do mom or dad or whoever we're caring for, do they have a will, a living will, durable power of attorney? Are those updated? Are they executed correctly? Have we talked to an attorney? If you've moved, like let's say mom moved state lines to be closer to you or to be closer to family, the durable power of attorney that you have in one state may not be valid in another state. Depending on the level of care that you're giving your parent, have you considered conservatorship or guardianship? This is where I'm going to tell you to bring in your experts, and we are going to have someone on in a few weeks to talk about this. But you need to think about it before you get to that place. So I want you to pull in your resources. Look for an elder care attorney or an estate attorney that can give you some good guidance here. Again, it's good to have these conversations earlier rather than later. It doesn't mean that anyone's going to come in and take over an estate, and I think that's really important. And so if you need a third party to talk with you about this so that mom doesn't feel like her privacy is being intruded on, then I think that's a really good resource. Here's the other part. There's a lot that we cannot control when it comes to end-of-life care. None of us know when our last day will be. None of us know what the progression of an illness is going to look like for us. We have ideas, but the way that it happens, I mean, nobody really knows. You have no control, is what I'm trying to say, over that. This you can have some control over, okay? If mom is in a place where she feels like all of her independence is being taken, this is a place where she can have control. Talking to an attorney about her right and making those decisions now, the ones that have to be executed, can be really empowering for somebody in this position. So number one was safety. Number two, financial. Number three, the estate and legal side. Number four is food and nutrition. This part tends to be overlooked, but good food and nutrition is essential for good health and well-being. There are some staggering statistics of malnutrition in aging seniors, and we can contribute that to a lot of different things. As we age, our appetite tends to drop. It's just not as much. We might have some chronic health issues or be taking some medications that change our appetite or taste of food. Our taste buds tend to change a lot too, so things that we once enjoyed eating, we may not. Even some illnesses like dementia can cause a person to not remember to eat a meal. So good nutrition is really key for any aging senior. So we want to look at what meals are they eating a day? Who's preparing the meals? Who's going to the grocery store? Are we solely relying on meals being heated up? And are, you know, this is another place to think about safety. Can mom safely use her stove? There are lots of resources in this area. For my homebound clients, Meals on Wheels is a great option. 
There's senior nutrition in a lot of states that you can qualify for. This also may be a great place to pull in a friend or someone who wants to help and has no idea how to except to cook. You know, cooking small individualized meals that can be easily reheated. This is a good healthy option for mom or dad. What we don't want is someone relying on chips and little Debbie cakes. You know, just like when you're younger and looking at good nutrition, it's the same thing as your body gets older. So we want to feed our body with the right things. Number five for me is the medical side, okay? So the medications, just the general health and well-being. So it's good to know what medication someone is on, what pharmacies they use, what chronic conditions they have. Is there an issue with vision or hearing? Do you have one place that you keep the name of all the doctors, their phone numbers? I use Evernote a lot in my cell phone, and so it could be really easy for you to just plug in medications, what they're used for, and easily just have that ready anytime that you need it. What I do find is that it's usually in an emergency situation when we don't have the information we need. So mom fell, she's in the emergency room, the doctor needs to know what medications she's on, if she's on a blood thinner. I can't remember because I don't have in front of me. Relying on mom to have that isn't always the best idea either because what happens if, you know, even though mom might be really independent, if she's unconscious or if she can't remember right then or if she's just really frazzled by, you know, whatever situation is going on, this is a good way just to help bear the burden of that information. Another thing to think about, do you know all the doctor's names? Their numbers, do you know where they're located? Do you know why mom goes to six different doctors? Which doctor is the cardiologist and which one's the GI and which one does she go for her vision checks? Those are good to know. Are you on the HIPAA release to talk to these doctors about medical issues? You may not need to be. To be quite honest, mom may not want you in on her medical life, and and that's her prerogative and her. But if you are tasked with caring for her or if you are the one who is filling medications or if you're the one who is her emergency contact, then that's how I would position it to her. I'm your emergency contact. I'm the one that needs to know. I'm not going to share this information with everyone, but I do need to be in the know. So number one was safety. Number two, financial. Number three, estate and legal. Four was food and nutrition. Five is the general healthcare, medical medications. Number six is almost never talked about. For me, it's one of the most important. Number six is the social and the spiritual side. I like to include both social and spiritual because many times it's just not a normal part of a care plan. But honestly, I find that the social and spiritual part of a person's life is vital for so many. I think it's detrimental not to include it. So it's in my assessment. Often, you know, we pay attention to feeding our bodies. We pay attention to giving it the things that they need, but we don't always pay attention to feeding our soul. And that's what I'm talking about here. What brings someone life and joy, what's important to them, needs to be continually assessed so we can determine, are they being poured into? Are they being fed in those ways? There's a lot of really good studies out there that, that talk about the importance of emotional and spiritual well-being and mental well-being and how that directly affects the physical health and well-being. For a lot of people, this can include a place of worship. So when independence is challenged, it can be really difficult for that person to still engage in some of the same activities that they once did, and that could be really important to them. So looking at that and what the options are, is mom still able to drive to church if she goes to church? Is she still able to be part of a Bible study if that's what she did before? Those are really important. Or maybe mom has 
has a bridge group that she likes to go to and just visit with friends. It's important to know that that is something that brings her joy and that's part of her normal routine so that we can watch and make sure that she's still able to do that. How does she get there? Is she showing signs of pushing away from activities that she once really enjoyed because maybe it's too difficult or she doesn't want to be a burden? Those are key things to to watch for. Is there a health reason that she's no longer meeting up with friends? like urinary incontinence. You know, again, those kind of things really can affect a person's quality of life. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about their quality of life here. So I said I would talk about six items. I'm going to bring in a seventh. And although this doesn't fit as neatly for a care plan, for a personal care plan, it's really important. And I think it will help you to kind of step back and assess from a wider perspective how someone is performing in their day to day. Now, I guess the reason I don't include this as one of the main ones is because when talking about each of these sections, I'm thinking about their ADLs and IADLs in each section. But I'm going to separate it out for you guys so that you can more easily interpret ADLs and IADLs. So let's first start with what is an ADL. An ADL is an activity of daily living. An IADL is an instrumental activity of daily living. So ADL is a term that's used in healthcare, and it refers to someone's daily self-care abilities, if you will. The concept of ADLs was actually proposed in 1950 by Sidney Katz and his team. And a lot of people use it in different variations now. Health professionals especially will use a person's ability or inability to perform an ADL as a measure of their functional abilities or their functional status, if you will, particularly when we talk about aging. Common ADLs that I like to look at are the ability for someone to feed themselves the ability for someone to bathe themselves and to get dressed, incontinence, or whether or not someone can go to the restroom independently. Like I said, there are variations, but when we're looking at ADLs, we're looking at activities of daily living. So what I want you to do is kind of step back and think about mom's activities of daily living and write those out, check mark by them, what she can do independently, what she might need some help with, and then what she needs complete help with. And that really will also help to better understand her level of independence. I also mentioned instrumental activities of daily living. So those are things that they're not really necessary for day-to-day life, but these things really determine a person's ability to live independently. And so I think that's an important part of this too, because these are the things that we don't always think about, but they're really still important to be independent. So things like cleaning the home, being able to maintain a clean and safe home, managing money. If that has become difficult, then although that is not necessary for life, it is necessary for independence. Preparing meals, shopping for groceries or for medications or whatever necessities someone needs, the ability to take their own prescribed medications, to remember the medications, which medications are taken for what and and when they should be taken. This tends to be one of the very first things that I see people take over. And and I think it's wise. You know, a lot of times, if even there's a slight memory issue, if you're dealing with 10 medications, that can get really overwhelming. There's a reason now that so many pharmacies are doing these like pill packs and daily like pouches that you can get all your meds in one place. Because even for someone who's completely clear-minded, it's overwhelming to think about when you're supposed to take what medication. And the fact that if a medication's taken at the wrong time, it can be really detrimental. So taking prescribed medications is an instrumental activity of daily living. Using the telephone, signing their name, all of those things are part of the instrumental activities of daily living. 
And so again, I want you to kind of step back and think, okay, so can mom easily wash her own clothes? Does she struggle with, if she's got like a a stacked washer dryer, does she struggle with reaching that top or an opening the dryer? Does she have trouble at times walking with a hamper in her hands? Again, just things to think about when we are assessing a situation. And like I said before, just because the answer might be, well, no, mom can't do the laundry alone, doesn't mean that she can't live independently. And I think that's also the key. Understanding the full scope of needs and the full range of abilities really helps you to have a better grasp on, okay, so what is needed and what is not needed. Once we have a good assessment, we move into the care planning. And again, this is just the intentional side of care. Once you know in each section what's needed, you can better plan what's to come. You also, if you've already got information, like let's say you've already got doctor's names and pharmacies and medications, in the event that there is an illness or an accident, You have the information at your fingertips instead of being frantic and worried and having to react to a situation that you are not prepared for. I'm going to take you through more of a deep care plan in a few episodes, but for the time being, I really just want you to think and assess on the situation of care that you're in, whether, like I said, it's complete care or it is a few hours a week here and there. Regardless, you're a caregiver and it doesn't matter how much care you're giving to be a caregiver. You're the responsible person, and I want to empower you in that position. Like I said before, I want you not only to survive the season, but to thrive. On top of having the safety checklist that I've got in the notes, I'm also going to give you a worksheet that will help you to organize yourself and each of these categories and just think through it. And so if you'll look in the show notes again, there will be a link for that. And any other resources that you find might be helpful, I would love to hear. I've got lots of great guests lined up over the next few weeks to really dive deep in the financial side, in the estate planning side, in the healthcare side, to make sure that we understand what is necessary in each of these care planning activities. Thanks for joining us today on Jerry Talk. If you're enjoying Jerry Talk, and I really hope you are, I would love to get a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to us. Subscribe so that you never miss an episode and help other people find us by sharing the link to Jerry Talk with your friends and family members who also might be caregivers. I hope you join us next week for a really awesome episode with Lee Williams of Nolan & Associates as we really dive into the financial side of caregiving. Until then, have a great week.